0: Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd, passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Hormones podcast. Today I have the privilege of speaking to Amy. So Amy Armstrong is a mineral obsessed mum of three, a root cause protocol consultant, a certified HTMA practitioner, which we will get into for those who don't know what a hair trace mineral analysis is, uh, and also a holistic Health coach. So, Amy found herself drawn into the natural healing world um, on a quest to heal, help her chronically uh, ill child become well and also improve her own rapidly failing health. So, after spending many years trying different therapies and treatments, Amy found the work of Molly Robbins, Hallelujah, <laughs> um, and began the root cause protocol through which both her daughter and herself experienced profound health healing so thank you so much for being here today Amy it sounds like you've got quite a story for us. Yeah
1: Sheridan thank you so much Um, I'm honoured to be joining you on your podcast yeah there's a bit of a backstory there Um, so I mean basically our journey that really changed the state of our family's health started way back in 2014 when my Uh, five-year-old daughter at the time had some really significant health issues stemming from an overactive immune system and a very inflamed brain. So she's a thriving, healthy 13-year-old now and really doesn't like me to talk about it too much. But I do mention it because it's so relevant to my own health journey. So I guess to give you a brief history uh, on me, I was a kind of a standard. Aussie kid uh, on a standard Aussie diet, and I guess I had the standard Aussie kind of kid health issues as well. So I had quite severe asthma, um, bad allergies, uh, deathly allergic to cats, I was, um, as well as, you know, um, pollen and, and everything else that was going around, um, you know, digestive issues. Um, and. It all sort of seemed to pick up steam through my teens and 20s, and by my 30s, I was suffering from a pretty long laundry list of health complaints, including, um, you know, digestive issues, gallbladder issues, thyroid issues, insomnia, acne, um, you know, there's a whole list there. I could go on and on, but... It probably wasn't until my daughter became really ill that the stress of kind of that situation and also having a toddler and a baby at the time um, that my health really did start to decline more rapidly into conditions like endometriosis. I had uh, breast and ovarian cysts. I had um, bouts of very bad depression anxiety, daily panic attacks, um, just basically total nervous system dysregulation and and chronic fatigue, which uh, kept me, you know, in bed a lot. And of course, along with that chronic fatigue came a diagnosis of of iron deficiency, anemia, which is really, I guess, what I'm here to talk about today is is about that iron. Um, So, yeah, one day, you know, uh, After spending many thousands, seeing so many practitioners, having so much testing for the both of us at that point, I really um, just made a decision that I thought I needed to be in the driver's seat and make some choices to heal all of us because my other two children were suffering um, some chronic conditions as well. So the research began, um, I just I, I had a little bit of a science background and I just, you know, I dug into into the weeds of of minerals. And, and that was really the catalyst for healing. Um, and, you know, ultimately a career change for me when I realised I thought, you know, so many other women and families could probably benefit from knowing um, and me sharing what I had learnt um, and what had helped us. So Um, And at that time, it was it was the mineral balancing protocol, the root cause protocol and a lot of dietary and and lifestyle changes along with that. Um, And today, I guess, yeah, we're going to talk more specifically about the mineral balancing in terms of the iron regulation and the iron deficiency in the blood. And I'm really specific when I say in the blood because iron deficiency in the blood does not necessarily mean iron deficiency in the body and that's a a really important distinction to make.
0: Yeah I think it's a really confusing topic and there's so many different schools of thoughts around it and we see a lot of stuff on Instagram about the iron deficiency and the whole iron conundrum in a sense and also you know our basis our really basic information is I'm tired GP says test your iron, you go get your iron tested, oh, your iron's low, um, go on an iron supplement. Like That's kind of as far as we tend to go. But when we start digging deeper and, you know, like I'm nowhere near as far as you are into it, but when I came across Molly Robbins stuff and when I came across the root cause protocol things and went, there's so much more into this than just taking an iron supplement. And, you know, for myself who've been on a real health journey to come across that and go, wow, like this is actually not helping us. And this is actually not helping a lot of people by taking an iron supplement or getting an iron infusion or something. But but then finding qualified information around it and then also knowing what to do about it because then a lot of people go oh well then I don't take an iron supplement well now what I'm still flipping tired yeah. so it's quite a big topic um to unpack and it must be something that you deal with on a day-to-day basis with your clients then who, who are struggling with some of these same sort of concerns I'm sure
1: yeah absolutely and it, you're right it, it's it's not as simplistic um it, it is simple in a lot of ways um mm. but there's a lot of kind of I guess uh, science in the the cellular biology behind mm-hmm. it, but but the the message is uh, that I that I want to get out is that we need to dig a little bit deeper uh, than just making this assumption based on a few um, iron uh, a few markers in our blood that we're mm-hmm. low in iron and that we need supplementation or we need to to actually uh, to be taking more iron to improve that situation. So I guess you know when it comes to minerals most of us know what minerals are um mm-hmm. you know they're part of the earth they're part of the soil or they they should be part of the soil yeah. not so much <laughs> as
0: they are remotely, yeah
1: but, you know, they're part of the air mm-hmm. they're part of the ocean they're they're part of us and yeah. you know mother nature has filled us with you know all of her elements in different and varying amounts and you know, we need to understand how to keep these elements, these minerals in balance to stay in health. And and iron is just one part of that picture. So it's really um, vitality and resilience in the body. that They're the principal aims of what we're trying to achieve when we balance our minerals. And the way to a resilient body with with lots of vitality, you know, so a lot of energy, um, is to ensure we've got good cellular energy production. And you know, good cellular energy production is kind of foundational for all of our health. Um, and making energy, making you know, good energy in the mitochondria in the mitochondria requires that a balance of minerals. So, I guess when it comes to energy, if you mo- ask most people about their energy, they'll soon be able to tell you whether they're experiencing enough in terms of their you know, mental and physical um, health, but they probably couldn't tell you where and how in their body that energy is actually made. And for those of us who focus on, you know, this rebalancing the minerals as a way of, of healing, we're really looking at those cellular energetics. So, mm. you know, how, how are our cells making energy? Are they making enough energy in face of all the stress that we're under um, you know, stress from our environment, stress from our food system, stress from our relationships, you know, our work, all the stress. And then the other question is, how cleanly is that energy being made? And are, are our bodies able to deal with, with the exhaust from making that energy? Um, so when you start to think about that energy making process, you start to think about, well, what what minerals are needed to make that energy in our cells as cleanly and efficiently as possible, I guess. So it's sort of it's really simple at the end of the day. In some ways, a body that is making energy cleanly and efficiently because it has the mineral capacity to do so, you know, that's a body that has a a much higher likeliness of functioning well, you know, we're talking about a digestive system that's functioning, a, a liver that's functioning, a nervous system that's functioning you know, um, hormones that are balanced, we're talking about a body that's kind of able to put up defences when needed and and regulate its own pathogenic load, Mm. and a body that's able to detox effectively. And, you know, that can just a body that can basically be resilient and and metabolize all the stress of, of living in our environment
0: yeah because so often we're saying we're, we're tired isn't it you know women are saying i'm tired i'm fatigued but we're not thinking deeper going well on a cellular level am i actually creating energy we're just going i'm tired something's not right either i'm overdoing it or i'm not eating well or something's going on with my hormones and that's about as far as it gets and then yeah. usually there's Caffeine or stimulants or things that we then take to, you know, give us the upper, even though we're not actually dealing with, like you'd say, the root of it. Going, well, why are we not creating enough energy and what's going on there? And then, you know, as you sort of said, well, there's a huge role of minerals in in this whole aspect, which I don't think a lot of us are considering straight off the bat. And like you said, maybe because we're not getting as many from our diet anymore, there's that into play as well.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, um, I like to think about it like this, you, you know, we it's minerals are so foundational to our health in just in the fact that, um, you know, every enzyme requires a mineral as a key to run. And enzymes are what make all these reactions happen within our body. So I think we really sell ourselves short when we just start to think, at a hormone level, or at a just a digestive system, or we can start to compartmentalize the body, because underpinning all of that is, um, you know, the very first question we should be asking, in in my opinion is, you know, do we have the mineral capacity to even uh, have have a body that's functioning properly. And then of course, we can build layers on top of that and ask more questions. But it seems like the foundation from which we should really be starting at
0: so if someone is presenting as tired and fatigued is it um not inappropriate it's not the word but is it inappropriate for the gp to be doing blood testing and saying the iron is so like if you're tired should you be looking at iron and then that leads into the next question of well how much iron do we actually need but should you know is is there actually a link with iron and energy or is it more the overall mineral stress digestive load
1: yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great question. And, yeah, there absolutely is a link with iron, just not in the way that, that we think about it now. So I guess, you know, there are minerals that are really energetic to our bodies like copper, magnesium, sodium, potassium. You know, think about mm-hmm. the electrical currents running through our cells that give the cells that ability to um, to to vibrate at a certain certain frequency and to have a certain pH and to communicate with each other. And, you know, this, this relies on minerals being in the right balance. So on the other side of the coin, we've got minerals, really structural minerals like iron. And I'm pretty sure, now you know, most of us would know to some extent what iron does in our bodies. You know, we, we do. We associate it with energy because it's responsible for carrying a bit like a waiter. It's responsible for carrying that oxygen around that does eventually get made into energy. So Mm. naturally, we think if we don't have enough energy, we mustn't have enough iron. Mm. But really, what most of us wouldn't know is, although iron carries the oxygen, it's copper that activates that oxygen to become energy. And if that oxygen can't be activated, we don't because we don't have the copper capacity, then it becomes like an accident with oxygen, which we know as oxidative stress. So Mm. copper is vital in that picture, even though it's it's uh, iron delivering that oxygen. So, yes, iron is absolutely a necessary part of that process. And it's essential for life. You know, we're not arguing that. But without copper, that oxygen can't be used right. And, of course, in that energy-making process, that can't happen without magnesium either. So that, you know, magnesium is an integral part of ATP. It's actually magnesium ATP, ATP being that that energy molecule.
0: So, So yeah, so is that then saying that iron is low if you're low in energy or...?
1: uh, Yep, so it can be showing up as low in our blood, um, which doesn't necessarily mean we don't have it in our bodies. And I guess the question is, you know, it comes down to what what minerals do we perhaps need more of? And what do we need? uh, What minerals do we need to keep in checks and balances in the body? And you know, counter to that popular belief, we might not need more iron in the body, which is is what you're asking if it's measuring low, we we may just need our iron to be more functional in our bodies. And the way to make it functional is in the presence of copper and magnesium and one really important uh, vitamin called retinol, which is preformed or animal based vitamin A. And if we can get the balance right, that's what can really allow um, us to be producing energy effectively and, and being able to clear the exhaust and to have our cells functioning properly. So we've got that energy and vitality and, and resilience to, to disease. So I guess, you know, what you're asking is how much iron do we actually need? Mm. Um, so maybe I'll talk about that and then I can talk about the different yeah. blood yeah. markers that that show it if, if that, yeah. Yeah,
0: awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So when we're talking about how much iron we actually need, it's really important to know a couple of things. And the first one is that we don't have a good excretory pathway for iron to exit our bodies apart from blood loss. Um, so unless you're actively bleeding, so uh, giving blood is a good way and, 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 of course, menstruation for women as well, um, apart from that, once it's in your body, it's, it's not going anywhere. So, yes, there is some sloughing off from the gut and things like that. But regardless of how much iron you put in your body, that can only happen at a certain rate anyway. So we are accumulating iron for every year we're on this earth. We we are accumulating it and our iron levels are going up, maybe not necessarily in our blood, but I'll get to that, but in our tissue and so someone like Morley Robbins would say that um, iron is what ages us because for every year we're here, we're accumulating it in our bodies and it's, you know, it's essentially rusting us from the inside out. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, so then we have to think about how much we're getting by way of enriched foods. You know, if you're eating a, a diet um, high in refined grains, there's a really good chance that they're enriched with iron? Um, and and many of these forms, this is probably a whole nother topic, but you know, so many <laughs> forms are essentially iron, iron filings. You know, um, I think there's nine or eleven forms and of, of iron that they actually use in food, and you know, many of them are considered carcinogenic. So that you know that should be making the hair on your arm stand up just a yeah. little bit just even thinking about that and then you've got to add to that iron supplementation so so many menstruating women uh, are put on iron supplements um because there's this assumption that if you're having heavy bleeding then you know and you and you're fatigued and you're tired then you're iron deficient and or even anemic so what we really need is about 25 milligrams of iron a day and the really important thing to know there is that 24 milligrams of that so like 95% of that iron comes from our own recycling system you know who knows yeah. this yeah um, so that leaves 1 milligram we need from food and yes you know when you take into consideration that we only um absorb a small amount of that iron and it does depend whether it's from an animal product or a plant product it's still going to be a sight less than most of us are consuming on a daily basis Mm -hmm. and things like you know it breakfast cereal is the prime example um breakfast cereals I, i have read can contain up to 48 milligrams of iron wow. in a, <laughs> i'm not talking about the serve on the back of the packet or on yeah. the back of the box i'm talking yeah. about the serve that we are really more likely to be eating yeah and add to this iron supplements you know iron fortified foods and you get the picture like too much iron and um then if you add to that picture, then that the ever lessening amount of copper that we're getting in our diets for various reasons, you know, there's less copper in our soil. We know that um, glyphosate fertilizer, you know, it, it actually chelates copper, so it's not usable. Um, and then you add to that, like our low fat diet that we've been told to, you know, that promotes health. Um, so that means a low retinol diet um, and, of course. Retinol is really important to making copper usable, which I'll talk about a little bit more. And you've got this perfect storm for iron accumulation in your body. So I guess people, your listeners might probably be wondering then at this point, well, okay, well, why is my iron coming back low? So maybe I'm that person who doesn't have enough iron. So that's probably a good time to talk about the iron, um, the markers that, that are commonly used and um, we've probably most people have heard of ferritin um, because that's predominantly how how you know we get our iron measured in our blood to determine our iron status so there's some really interesting research um, sir douglas kell is is a, an iron biologist a scientist that i like to follow And even people like Morley Robbins, who, you know, have collated so much of this research going back the last 50 years or more. And what they're saying is that ferritin is not an indicator of your iron status or homeostasis is probably better, a better word. So ferritin is actually this intracellular protein that stores iron. And when we take a ferritin blood test, we're actually measuring a protein that should be inside your cell. We're measuring that in your blood, so outside of the cell. So research by Douglas Kell, um, he states that ferritin shouldn't even be found in your serum, which is pretty mind-blowing because when the ferritin has, so when it is, when it's in your serum, ferritin has mostly dumped its load of iron in the cell and it's been secreted into your blood, which is a sign of organ pathophysiology. Like it's not a good thing. It's not a sign of iron vitality. So, and you know, the other thing is there's two states to iron, there's a a heavy chain and a light chain. You know, so do we even know what we're measuring in a blood test? Um, Mm. You know, that's important to know. And I know that's sort of getting into the nitty gritty, but it's just really important to realize that it's not as simplistic as measuring our ferritin and this being reflective of our iron stores because
0: it's it's just not. So for those listening who you know, because obviously a lot of this will be starting to go over their heads and are like flip, like yeah. I've got low iron, but maybe I don't actually have low iron. So when they're getting iron tested, what's an accurate way of testing it yeah. then so that they actually know what my iron status is?
1: Yeah, yeah. so yeah, great. I mean, great question. And so um, yeah, we're looking at a number of markers to get a more kind of complete and responsible assessment of your iron metabolism. Um, and, you know, we've got to take into account your copper and your ceruloplasmin, which I'll explain what that is as well. So, um, as part of being a, a root cause protocol consultant, you know, we're trained to look at these markers and a few more like, um, uh, magnesium, zinc, um, sometimes vitamin D and retinol as well. Um, And we read those alongside the hair tissue mineral analysis to give a kind of a better picture metabolically of what's happening around your iron homeostasis. So I won't go through every single kind of marker individually, um, but I do want to talk about a couple of um, the iron markers and and the copper markers, um, because they're really important to see alongside for the, the iron markers for the best kind of picture. So. Um, you know, and I'm sure a lot of us have heard of copper, but probably not many of us have heard of ceruloplasmin, which I will talk about. So another um, pretty well known marker that um, that we that we often get taken at the doctors is hemoglobin. And 80% of the um, body, uh, our body's iron is used to carry oxygen around. About 70% of that is in hemoglobin. And, and once upon a time, hemoglobin was actually the measurement that, that they took for iron status. And then at some point that kind of morphed into being all about ferritin. But like ferritin, it's still um, it's still a bit of a dipstick measurement, like um measuring the oil in your car the level of oil in your car and and that's useful but it doesn't tell us much about the kind of movement of iron as a marker like serum iron so serum iron um, measures the efficiency of our iron recycling system Um, And if we keep going with that car analogy, which which is not my analogy, by the way, that's Molly's analogy, but it it just, I can't think of a better one. It just makes so much sense and it makes it easier to understand. So measuring um, serum iron is probably similar to measuring how many kilometres per litre you're getting from your car. So the efficiency. Um, So it's not just this dipstick measurement of how much like how much oil like ferritin and hemoglobin but it's it's how efficiently your car is using that oil so in the body that would translate to um, how efficiently is your body recycling iron so you can start to see that unlike ferritin and hemoglobin um, serum iron is a much more effective measurement because it measures that functionality and that recycling of iron around the body, because iron is supposed to be in motion all of the time. So um, that recycling system that I'm talking about is called the reticuloendothelial system. <laughs> I can't believe I said that, that right. <laughs> it's such a
0: mouthful.
1: Um, so just call it the iron recycling system or the RES um, yeah. for short, but. So, you know, it provides, uh, our recycling system, as I said, provides like 95% of our daily iron needs, as I, as I mentioned, to make mm-hmm. new red blood cells and, and other um, iron-based proteins as well, like heme. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the serum iron is a good measure of, of how the recycling system is working, and transferrin would be another good marker for that as well so transferrin is like the key transport protein that moves iron um, from the tissue like back into the bloodstream and then back to the bone marrow where it gets um, made into the new red blood cells for the next day so it's that that's the recycling so transferrin is um, also really dependent on optimal retinol optimal vitamin a in your body as well um, but I guess the real kicker is that whole recycling system of iron requires copper to work. So copper lets the iron, it's like the doorman on the cell, it lets the iron out of the cell. Copper is then what takes the iron and loads it onto the transport proteins. Um, so, you know, if, if the recycling system doesn't have copper that iron that should be in motion all of the time and being recycled is then getting stored. So it like it's wreaking havoc in our cells yeah. and it's and it's stuck in our tissue and it's stopping that that normal cellular process from happening. Mm. And it's
0: yeah. yeah. So I guess. I guess there's like what you're saying. I'm just trying to going to try and dumb it back a bit because I know there were so many people going like, "Oh, like this is all great, Sheridan, but this is going to go over my head a bit." So. Yeah basically there's a range of different markers that we're looking for rather than just ferritin and iron so if if we're reporting with low iron then i guess the question is are we going back to our gp and asking for you know these other markers that you've kind of listed which a i'm going to assume um, there's a list somewhere that people can get their hands on and b also is or is it at that point that you go i'm really tired my iron's really low i need to go and see a root cause practitioner who can run this testing or can you yeah can you go back yep. to your gp and go actually no my recycling system isn't working or is working you know what do people do from that point yeah.
1: yeah so uh so with the blood markers yeah i mean yes absolutely you can go back to your gp and request um you know a full iron study um you may not get necessarily all the markers done at your gp that as a root course protocol consultant I like to see so very rarely will you be able to get your red cell magnesium taken Um, you know you might be pushing to get ceruloplasmin measured as well Um, and I still probably just need to explain quickly what that is but so yes is the short answer to that you can um you can get some of those things done through your GP. You can, or you do, also have the capacity to order these bloods for yourself. Um, and, I, and I'm sure not many people know that, but you can actually pop online to somewhere like iMedical and order your own bloods and order mm-hmm. your own panel. And there's a specific panel that we that we have called, I think, with um, iMedical, it's called Mag Two you can actually just pop on and and order that yourself. Um, And if you go onto the Root Cause Protocol website, um, there is actually a page there dedicated to explaining what all those blood markers mean and what your optimal levels should be. So, you know, if you want to sit in the driver's seat for your own health, you can absolutely do all this yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't necessarily need somebody like me um, you know, some people are quite capable of just getting their blood markers done and going onto the website and you know seeing seeing what all the optimal levels are and figuring out a, a little bit about where they're at. But I guess that the next step is well, what to do about it if you figure yeah. out that your iron's not very functional in your body
0: yeah yeah for sure and then like you said running a um htma like hair trace mineral analysis alongside of that is going to give you an even bigger picture again i remember when i did my first htma and i was like ah okay this is interesting um but like you said for those who do want to go do it and do want to see in that driver's seat that is that option but as always like with anything like if you're doing gut testing or you're doing hormone testing whatever it is you're always going to have better outcomes when you walk through that journey with someone who's obviously qualified in that area but at least you know for some people who may be deep into their health journey already go okay cool this is something that i feel like i'm struggling with and i want to check in I, you know you can jump ahead and sort of do that side of things
1: yeah and the hair tissue mineral analysis is is i i would recommend you get a practitioner to look at that that's not so easy to read um confusing yeah and Um, and high doesn't mean high and low doesn't mean (laughs) high yeah (laughs) ratios are really important and and there is a little bit of you know a nuance into reading Mm. um you know what that all means so i I would suggest do
0: is the best test for copper serum copper or because you know when we're talking about copper being a really important part of this whole picture how do you go about testing it
1: yeah so um so for copper there's really two markers that we look at um copper and ceruloplasmin so um, and ratios are really important there as well. So copper, um, we are looking at serum and ceruloplasmin in the serum as well. The only problem is, uh, serum, ha- uh, ceruloplasmin hasn't an, an active and an inactive state, and we probably don't need to go into that here too much, but it, it you know, mm-hmm. we can't measure the active state of that. So, um, Ceruloplasmin, I guess did. Do you want me to explain a little bit about the copper yeah
0: yeah for sure um what they are their role and then sort of how we test for them i guess
1: yeah so um you know copper's got a pretty profound a lot of functions in the body principally around creating energy and clearing exhaust and the copper the the thing with copper is that it has to be bioavailable which means it's got to be complexed in a network of of proteins and enzymes so about 95% of our copper in the blood is complex in a protein called ceruloplasmin. So what that mm-hmm. basically means is you know we want that copper uh, copper's not really ever free it's attached to things mostly but we want it to be um in our ceruloplasmin. Okay so mm-hmm. that's where it can be used by the body. So when it's in ceruloplasmin which then needs to be in the active state that's what regulates iron and prevents it from causing oxidative stress all right and and stops that chronic loss of magnesium that we get um, you know from that oxidative stress stress so in other words um, when we look at a blood test we're looking at how much ceruloplasmin you have and there's a bit of nuance (laughs) to that as well um, and we're looking at how high or, or low your copper is in your serum, and that gives us an indication of, of how available your copper is to be used by mm-hmm. your body and how much of it is in that ceruloplasmin. Um, so they're really, you can't look at iron without looking at copper
0: um, yeah, yeah,
1: because we don't, you know, you, you can't get that understanding of, of how well your iron is being used and how available it is until mm-hmm. you look at your copper alongside it. Um, and what the other thing that we need to remember is, um, you know, what, you, what your blood tests don't reflect is there can be up to 10 times more iron in your tissue as what there is in your blood. So your blood work doesn't show the iron that's in your tissue that's why we need to also look at these other markers
0: so do you think it's more common than that iron is actually higher in our tissues and um you know possibly lower in our bloods because that's what we're all quote unquote presenting with it's very rare for me to see a client who's you know got really high iron um yeah. and then we're not getting enough copper in our diets from our foods that's the generalized picture that you tend to see or
1: yeah. Uh, yes, because I mean, a lot of my clientele come with with low iron. That's why they're mm-hmm. coming to see me in the first place. Um, so, I guess the assumption is that um, you know, like I said before, that that iron is building in our bodies. Um, we don't excrete it, so mm-hmm. you know, it's there. It's just not functional because it's not being recycled properly, which mm. requires us to have enough copper. And, yes, most people, I guess, um, if you were to say in generalisations, come with um, either really high copper and low ceruloplasmin, so the copper's not where it should be, um, yeah, or yeah. really low ceruloplasmin, meaning they just, you know, they don't have the bioavailable copper to be mm. making that iron functional
0: Yeah, right. So what are some ways we can start to rebalance this? Because obviously we've got an issue here. And like I said, like a lot of people will now be going, ah okay so low iron in my blood test isn't the actual thing i need to run a full iron panel and i also need to look at my copper and see what's going on there and that's kind of i guess your basic sort of starting point and if you yeah. know this has been an ongoing issue for a long time then yes reach out and talk to someone like amy or you know start to look at some of those deeper root causes of what could be going on like you know nutrient wise and yeah. gut wise and hormone wise and all these other things but how can we increase these nutrients in our diet? How can we improve our copper and improve our iron? Yeah, so
1: in terms of of foods and and whole food supplementation, which, um, you know, I like to recommend as well in certain cases, um, you know, what we need, if you were to say very generally, for most of us, we need more magnesium, more copper, more retinol and less dietary sources of iron, just what we get naturally through food sources that contain iron and those food sources mother nature she's really really clever puts <laughs> together nutrients to balance each other in food sources so um say for example retinol um which i touched a bit on you know that retinol is a nutrient that puts that copper into the ceruloplasmin so it can be used okay so it's it's pretty important um that's sort of naturally occurring in animal products so uh cod liver oil beef liver you know grass-fed beef liver grass-fed butter free-range eggs and other animal-based products um magnesium you know the food the, the foods that are, that are rich in magnesium, I guess, are things like um, pumpkin and sunflower seeds, you know, fatty fish, seaweed, um, a whole variety of nuts and legumes and, and uh, whole grains and, and leafy greens and my favorite, dark chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I was like,
0: I knew that one was going
1: to make an appearance. <laughs> yeah, it's going it's to make it on the list. Um, and then, of course, for magnesium, there's, just, there's a, a real variety of ways to get that um, supplementally so you know you can put topical lotions on you can take baths you can mm. use liquids and, and tablets and capsules um, and copper you know I can't go past beef liver um, as yeah. you know, a, a source of, of that has the right balance of copper and iron um, mm. that's closest you know found closest to the human liver mm. It's it's also a really good source of retinol Um, It's got that ideal ratio of copper to zinc and it's got, you know, all the B vitamins um, that we need there as well to help activate those minerals because, you know, we've got to remember those vitamins are really uh, part of that important part of that picture of of helping those minerals to do their job. Mm -hmm. Um, Other sources of copper are things like shellfish, seeds, nuts, other, other organ meats as well. And you can actually supplement copper um, but I really think that's probably a conversation best had um, with your practitioner about how to get copper supplementally.
0: Yeah wow so yeah so many different things going there and for most people like you said the basics is approach your diet address those changes and go okay what can we do here just right now to start making those changes but like i said if you have gone you know ongoing issues or you know that you know you've had issues with iron for a long time then i think it is really important to dig into that whole picture a little bit deeper because it's it's usually linked in with hormone stuff and gut stuff and there's a range of different things going on. So for those listening who go, ah, that sounds like me, I need to learn more about this, how can we find you, how can we reach you and where can we nerd out on all this sort of amazing content that you have to offer?
1: Yeah, so I guess I, the, the probably the last little bit that I want to add is, you know, the take-home from all of this, if I have uh, spoken a little bit above some people's heads in terms of... Um, <laughs> The, the language I love it I'm not very good at yeah anyway it's a skill that I'm working on but yeah. I, I guess the message would be is um especially in the face of of an iron anemia or a deficiency diagnosis is just to look a little bit deeper don't mm-hmm. assume that low ferritin means low iron in your body and don't assume that if you're suffering from fatigue and other effects of your kind of apparent low iron, that you need more iron to improve your situation, mm-hmm. because there's a really large body of research out there that, um, you know, that that tells us that that might be short-term gain for really long-term pain, um, and that it can really be adding into the picture of chronic disease and metabolic dysfunction so we really just need to scratch below the surface a little bit more to see
0: what else is going on in our bodies and in our environments for i guess iron infusions then can be a real damaging um thing because you must be getting such a i've never had one but you must be getting such a load of iron in such a short amount of time straight into your body
1: yeah yeah absolutely um and look you know I've been there and done that too with my um, anemia um, diagnosis a long time ago I I had several infusions but uh, something just didn't sit right even not knowing what I know now Mm -hmm. back then I I was starting to think could can this be good for me putting all of this heavy metal into my body over the long term so it's Yeah. yeah just just
0: uh you know
1: uh, ask more questions is is I, yeah, guess. I I love that
0: i'm so passionate about them people ask look deeper and you know start, start looking around and also um the cure book by molly robbins is an awesome place to start i love that book changed the way i practiced and did a lot of things and i was yeah. like this is yeah this is really great so for those who kind of go i actually i do want to know more i want to reach out to amy i want to hear more but i also want to read more on it i feel like that book's pretty um easy to digest as well in a sense oh
1: it is it's it's uh, yeah I've um encouraged so many people to read it and it is it, it's quite an easy read and it's yeah. um Molly's done a really good job perhaps better than I have done today of
0: no, <laughs> no, you really
1: understandable for the for the general public so that is a fantastic place to start yeah, yeah. um so um as far as contacting me I actually I, I am doing a free webinar towards the end of this month i'm not sure when this podcast is going out but i haven't got any uh details for that but the best way would be if you signed up for my newsletter at amyarmstrong.com.au forward slash newsletter um, or followed me on instagram and facebook which i am found at amy armstrong health then you will um, you will get the details for that via those.
0: Yeah, awesome. I think that's um, definitely a super important um, message to have out and, yeah, to jump on and to learn more about it will be great for people. And also your Instagram has a lot of great content as well and you're, you know, reasonably active over there. So do jump over and follow Amy, guys. I have tagged her in our story today, but obviously this podcast, I think, goes out in a week or two. Um, so, yeah, make sure you go over, follow Amy. And thank you. That was, I I loved it because I'm really in this nerdy health space topic at the moment where I'm like, okay, things need to shift. I want to learn more. I want to know more. Um, but also for a lot of people, this episode will just be the first time they've heard of this and be going, okay, wow, like, can I just baby myself into this, else? Start by following Amy, I'll start by buying the book, I'll start by reading a bit more. Um, And there are a lot of people who speak well on these topics. Um, On Instagram, the Real Food Gangsters are really good. Um, There's a few other people who I follow who just have really great information as well. So follow a couple of people and learn a bit more and go to Amy's free webinar and just start to educate yourself around the whole iron concept. Because like we said, it's so much deeper than what our GP is telling us and what we're originally thinking as well
1: yeah yep absolutely and uh, i guess the last place that uh, your listeners might be interested in going is um to the root cause protocol website mm. and um you know just even start to delve into some of the iron toxicity posts there that molly robbins has written and, and just get a feel for it but yeah it's you know it, it's 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 complex but it's really quite simple at the same time mm. if we um just start to really nourish our bodies with those nutrients we talked about, more copper, more retinol, more magnesium.
0: Yeah, Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amy. It was a pleasure having you on here. Thank you for your knowledge and for the hard work and changes you're creating within the health space. I really appreciate it and, yeah, appreciate you.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you.